This is Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM. This is Arab Talk with Jess and Jamal. I'm Jess Nam. And this is Jamal Dejani. Jamal, I mean, it, it, we've got a great show, by the way. That, that goes without saying. But we have so much information and so much news to cover today. We may not even have a time to cover all the news that is out there. I mean, we have things from constitutional challenges uh, regarding, you know, Trump's attempts to basically subvert the constitutional processes that we have in this country to really significant uh, attempts to undermine U.S. strategic interests on the behalf of the uh, Israeli government and and APAC. There's a lot to cover today. I don't know if we're going to have all the time we need. But uh, let's just dive right in. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we are going to be talking about the Constitution and BDS and, of course, the uh, most recent uh, bill, which keeps coming up, Jess. This is the fourth time uh, within the past month that a bill has been introduced in Congress. Not not just Congress. Let's be clear about this. Uh, this is a Senate bill. That's right. Which is even more outrageous in some ways because the way things are going now, it's unclear whether or not something like this could even pass in the Congress. But the Senate seems to, on its fourth try, Jamal, appears to want to subvert, I like that word today, constitutional protections for free speech on behalf of of Israel. Now, we should also put it in the context, Jamal, that, you know, we're in the midst of this major, you know, shutdown of the U.S. government. We're confronting significant problems worldwide. The Senate is responsible for covering a lot of things, yet they seem to be preoccupied with attacking well, our First Amendment rights. Yeah, I mean, the bill was voted on this Monday, but last week when we were in the midst of a government shutdown, that was the only bill... The only bill the Senate was able to get. by exactly. uh, Senator Rubio, basically, and we'll talk about the bill, uh, basically, which includes language that would encourage states to pass unconstitutional laws penalizing businesses and individuals who participate in politically motivated, this is according to their language, boycotts against Israel, which basically is targeting the boycott movement. In other words, if institutions or individuals decide, okay, we want to exercise our First Amendment rights and not uh, do business with an Israeli a company or even the Israeli government, including uh, the military, you'll be penalized. They'll be penalized, right. which is against the Constitution. So, so this bill, sadly, on Monday, it, 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 passed? it passed the Senate. So I think the vote, Jamal, was 70 to 19. Maybe 70 or 70, 72, maybe. But regardless, it needed, it needed 60. Right. So it needed 60 to pass. Yeah. And it passed. Now it has to go to Congress. And then I think we're going to even if it passes Congress, it's going to go to the Supreme Court. But let's just let's just work. uh, Let's just work within uh, this premise. So, you know, and, and this is an important key point for our Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, 
the First Amendment, the right to speech, the right to act, the right to assemble, the right to make up your mind, decide. Well, the right, decide, to, have, the right to have your own mind. The right to have your own mind, decide. <laughs> your own thoughts. You know, whether you want to drink Coke or Pepsi. I can, <laughs> I can decide. I can make that decision if I want to uh, purchase Coke or Pepsi or, or boycott both. No one is going to attack me or penalize me. But if I decide not to do business with uh, an Israeli company, then you are penalized. I mean, imagine the audacity in this whole action, right? In this whole action, when we are in a mess, we are in a mess. Ladies and gentlemen, this country is, is going through a crazy mess where we've had government employees, federal employees without pay for three weeks, and they're back to work for about three weeks, and then we have a president who's threatening to shut down the government again uh, in, an, in a couple of weeks if we don't reach an agreement on this uh, crazy wall idea between us and uh, Mexico. And Congress, or the Senate, I should say, they have one issue, one main issue. And the main issue is to penalize individuals and companies who don't want to do business with a country engaged in apartheid, engaged in ethnic cleansing, engaged in human rights violations. Right. And so here's the thing, Jamal. The Senate cannot get itself together to pass laws that are relevant to taking care of uh, its own citizens. The, the U.S. Senate cannot get it together to help people come back to work after a plus month-long shutdown. It cannot get its act together to act in the strategic interests of the United States, yet it seeks to act during this time when there's so much suffering on behalf of the perceived strategic interests of another country, which is truly extraordinary in many ways that this bill actually passed 70 plus to 19. We should break it down a little bit. And, and I think our listeners will remember, Jamal, that in Texas, we told the story of this speech therapist in Texas who was up to have her contract renewed as a speech therapist and a provider within the Tex one of the Texas uh, school districts. And as she was signing her contract, she noticed a clause in her employment contract That's right. for a school district in Texas that said that as an employee of a school district in Texas, she was forbidden from engaging, essentially, in any BDS activity against Israel. And she's suing, by the way. Well, she refused you, they, to sign they, it. See it. Right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. She refused right. to sign it. The SELU uh, has taken her Taken case. that case. Right. She refused to sign it. She's currently unemployed, and the ACLU is currently engaged in a lawsuit against this school district in Texas. So we're, we're living in it. And it, it seems to me, Jamal, it's like a bizarro world. With so many domestic uh, with so many domestic problems and so many domestic issues having to do with the integrity of how this country is doing and how the citizens of this country do. And we live in a country where we can boycott GM if we want well, to. Just we can boycott Ford if we want to. We can boycott any U.S. company. But as American citizens, we are going to be forbidden from boycotting an Israeli company. Listen, That's where we're listen. at. I mean, boycotts have played an essential role in American politics from the country's founding to the 
present day. You know, so just think about it. Not just in the Constitution, but boycotts. You know, the American revolutionaries forged a national identity by boycotting British and loyalist goods. Well, that was the Boston Tea Party. So, so let's yeah. take it way back, even yeah. be, you know, before the co- abolitionists organized boycotts of domestic and international companies that participated in the slave trade and supported slavery in the United States. We've boycotted apartheid South Africa. We boycott uh, companies and organizations that are engaged in human trafficking. We boycott comp- uh, companies including U.S. companies and have campaigns against U.S. companies who employ child labor in Southeast Asia, you know, and put pressure on them to change their policies, right? Well, and we, we and so, right. So boycotts is an essential part of American democracy and part of our constitution. And now you have the Senate basically or you have senators, I would say, within the Senate, shredding this part of the Constitution, shredding the First Amendment to make an exception for Israel. Well, you know, Jamal, we we have called this the Israel exception, obviously, that the U.S. senators and to some extent a lot of congressmen are beholden to Israeli interests over U.S. strategic interests, are beholden to APAC interests over the interests of their own citizens. And so one way to look at this in terms of the, the noose that APAC has over political discourse in the Senate is that we could, we could frame it as something that is deeply problematic. But on the other hand, previous pro-Israel APAC bills in the Senate have passed 100 to 0 and 99 to 1. So I think for the moment, we should do an interesting analysis looking at the fact that it appears that 19 senators were willing to vote against this pro-APAC, a pro-Israel, you know, uh, assault on the U.S. Constitution. I believe, e- even though this is a horrific bill, it's an it's a unconstitutional bill, it, it's unlikely that it will get through the U.S. Uh, Supreme Court. However, it does speak to the changing political dynamics that exist in this country, now, that there are 19 senators that could actually vote against a pro-Israel bill. Well, um, the silver lining also, none of the uh, candidates or declared candidates or non-candidates who are going to be running for president have voted. You mean Democratic? Uh, Demo- um, on the Democratic you know, on the Democratic side, have support. They didn't support this bill. You know, from Harris to other potential uh, presidential candidates, they either they actually didn't vote against it, but they refrained from voting. So they well, abstained. Uh, yeah, a- an abstention, in my mind, is uh, you know, it's. It's, it's pretty spineless to abstain on this. But what again, and I do agree with you, the silver lining in all of this is that and we spoke about this last week, Jamal, and I, and I think this really gets to it. The political landscape for this country, for the Democratic Party, is changing more rapidly than the Democrats themselves in terms of the elite are able to handle. We know, for example, that 70, over 70% of people who identify as Democrats support 
you know, Palestinians and Palestinian uh, self-determination in terms of what's happening in Palestine right now over Israeli interests. That, that's really dramatic. So if you're going to be a Democratic candidate for the presidency and you were to vote for this bill, your progressive bona fides would be completely shot out of the water. And I'm going to come back to that a little bit later in talking about Kamala Harris. But for the time being, it seems like the shift and the change uh, in the stranglehold that AIPAC and Israeli strategic interests have had in this political discourse, I see, Jamal, a little a little shift here, don't you? Well, yeah, I mean, I see the shift uh, in general amongst the public. Uh, I cannot, I'm not as optimistic as far as within Congress. I mean, the numbers still, when you have over 70 vote against the Constitution, it makes me question their qualifications. Really. No, I mean, it I mean, just... It makes me think, like, what... You are putting a foreign country's interest ahead of the U.S. Constitution. And how dare you be in those chambers? How dare you take this vote on behalf of a foreign country against American interests? I don't care how, if it's our relationship with Israel or our relationship with the U.K. With or, Russia. Or Russia or wherever. American interests and the Constitution comes first. But apparently, apparently it's not. not. Well, Jamal, I guess that's the thing that really irks me. We're able to be very critical, for example, about the fact that some of the Trump campaign were serving Russian interests over American interests. And we have, you know, an entire, you know, the, the, the Russia investigation. We have congressmen, senators who are just cannot believe for a fact that people would support another country over US, the U.S. in terms of the way the campaign uh, unfolded. Yet, and, and, and that they, they can do that when it comes to Russia, yet with something like pro-Israel interests completely being in um, contradistinction to U.S. interests, you see senators falling all over themselves to vote in favor of this bill. Do you know the number of the bill, Jamal? Do you happen to know the number? Um, Senate bill, what, Senate bill, what number? Do you uh, happen to know? I can look it up. I'll tell you, it's uh, Senate Bill 1. <laughs> for the year. <laughs> for the year. Well, what does that tell you? We're, we're, this is January. The, this is our priority. The, that's not what the, I'm trying to tell wall, you. Not the wall, not the jobs for 800,000 federal employees. Come not on. Not the economy. Not uh, national security. Not national security. Or, or global warming, which Trump uh, says it's, doesn't exist well, because, because it's, we so have, cold. it's so cold, so we don't have, we can't global, have warming. global warming. Well, that's my point, Jamal. It's just like it's Senate Bill 1. We, this, the, the Senate has been called to order for almost a month now. And in terms of the business of the Senate, in terms of its independence uh, from the you know, from the uh, from the executive branch and being able to carry on the business of this country could not get it together to do anything else but to put a bill on the floor saying that it would be illegal to boycott, divest and sanction Israel and that states should have the authority to do that. Come on, senators, what's going on? You know, come on. I mean, really? You're listening to Arab Talk on KPOO San Francisco 89.5 FM. We also welcome our viewers on Facebook Live. We've ha we're 
I'm seeing viewers from Kosovo, from Australia, from the UK, from New York City, and others. Uh, welcome, welcome all, and uh, we're happy to have you. I want to actually shift gears a little bit. We'll come back to it. We'll come back I to do want to say more about because that Because I want to link it also, because this is something related again. So, of course, uh, we are also appreciative this year that there was a change, because you're talking about ch changes, and uh, in the midterm elections, we've seen a shift. We've seen a shift uh, which people turn as the blue wave. I call it more like the pink wave. We ha we've had more um, women elected in, um, in, in, in Congress, Congress right. uh, more progressive uh, congresswomen and congressmen from all over. Uh, so there has been a shift, and of course, on the Middle East and other issues, you have um, Rashida Tlaib. From Michigan. From Michigan. My home state. And Ilham. Uh, Omar. Omar from Minnesota. Yes. And then, uh, and of course, we have young senators and whatever. So Rashida Tlaib, uh, she's been making waves. As usual. But come on, Jamal, really? Uh, I mean, you know, just, not, no, just, she hasn't been making waves. Well, she's doing her job. Well, she's doing her job. So why is it making waves that she's doing her job? And, and uh, the first one, we know her answer to Trump, and all of a sudden this became basically a big story. But now she's saying, and this is something new, and as you know, Every single senator, senator and congressman or co congressperson, every year they get invited on this junket to go to Israel by APAC. But it's not really an invitation, Jamal. It's obligatory. Well, it's uh, it's well, an obligation. Yeah, and they go. <laughs> and they no go. one, no one says anything. Uh, and then so Rashida Tlaib says, well, she'd like to put a congressional delegation to take them to the West Bank and teach them or have them see you know, in their own eyes, uh, how Palestinians are doing um, under occupation or even go to Ramallah and meet with some Palestinian officials, right? Yeah. So that was one of her items on her agenda. Okay, but let's also put that in context. These trips to understand what's happening internationally, Jamal, occur hundreds of times a year. Congressmen and senators take these trips, and, and, and I'm not making this up, at various times, almost on a weekly basis, you have various trips by congresspeople and senators all the time going to different parts of the world, and it's never a big deal. It's never a big deal. It's, in fact, it's part of your job. If you're involved in, if you're doing your job as a congressperson, and you want to see what's happening strategically, militarily, with respect to national security, you take these trips, South America, Central America, Africa, Asia, the, you know, wherever, the Middle East. It's, this is not breaking news. So she announced this, and it was welcomed by many people, but now comes... House Foreign Affairs Committee Chairman Elliot Engel. Elliot Engel, who's from that? New York. Oh. He's a Democratic, uh, I think, Democratic uh, representative Con yeah, from He's, from he, New York. Right, right. He criticized um, Rashida Tlaib, uh, and um, he's pushing back on. Do you hear what he said her to her? To, and she's a freshman, by the way. Uh, by the way. So, so he he's asked he yeah no he 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 said what did he say? Oh, I so want insulting. to see. I, it was so insulting what he said. 
I hope you have the quote. I'll come to it. Because he insulted Rashida Tlaib. Um, I have I have her quote. So, uh, so, so what he said, instead of her talking about things... She's new here. She ought to listen and learn and open her mind and then come to Tell some conclusions. If you're going to be close-minded and have your views, no one's going to change her views. Blah, blah, blah. So the bottom say, line, okay, the bottom line, he is basically throwing a monkey's wrench in front of her. God forbid that she takes a congressional delegation. To Palestine. You know, he's been, and through APAC, taking, every, it's not even um, taking it to, to Israel. It's a, you're right, it's an annual pilgrimage. An and annual pilgrimage. And you pilgrimage. can't say no. I mean, you won't, so, you won't get reelected so in the past. Her, uh, some of her, uh, you know, uh, her statements when she said, she said, I want us to see that segregation and how that has really harmed us being able to achieve real peace in that region. So basically she's saying, come see the apartheid with your own eyes before right. you make judgment. She also said, I don't think APAC provides a real fair lens into the issue, which is true. We know that. Everyone knows that. They basically whitewash Israeli crimes, take them to Tel Aviv, take them here, take them there, avoid all the areas where Palestinians are oppressed and discriminated uh, exactly. against. So she wants to bring balance to Congress and and this guy is basically going crazy, you know. So, he's he's trying to do everything possible to prevent her. So, so just let me just finish uh, a little okay. bit. So I was digging around just a little bit, and I posted it on my Facebook page for those of you who are interested. And aside from his, uh, you know, his uh, voting record, just which we know. I usually go to this uh, website and try to look because it's it's public record. Uh, who receives what as far as politicians? And guess what? His highest donors for the year 2017-2018. Who, who are they? It's 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 from pro-Israel. It's from the pro-Israel lobby. This is he puts it's right there. He received 150 plus k wow. thousand. Wow. Second to that is financial institutions. So oh, really, yeah. So second, yeah. Second to that, you know. But the but the number one, which is in a public record, you know, who butters his bread uh, is the Israeli lobby. Well, so so I, I don't have to guess where he's going with his no statement. And um, so Jamal, I have a question for you. Well, 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 let's break out. Let's break down the racist, sexist comment that Congressman Engel made, telling a woman who was just elected by her constituents to basically shut up and listen. It's called mansplaining. It, it's, it's, I, th I think it's worse In than Congress. I, I think it's so unbelievable that this guy, who's, who appears to be representing Israeli interests over uh, U.S. interests, would have the audacity well, to say— Well, not appears to. To me, to me, when this is your focus, when you— Focus on your pilgrimage to Israel when every year you go to APAC and, and every year he goes and pledges basically loyalty. Fidelity to Israel. And, yeah. and now you don't want to bring balance. You don't want to educate the American public. You don't want to educate congressmen and congresswomen about the situation on the ground. Well, I question this. Well, well I have breaking. When you vote for a uh, bill 
uh, which I'm sure he sup- he supports is in Congress right. to censor and, and prevent Americans from making a choice. On I question own. this. Well, I have breaking news for Congressman Engel. He can't do anything to stop Rashida Tlaib from taking a trip. Her her obligation and her right to take this trip to go wherever she wants to understand better what's happening with U.S. policy and U.S. foreign policy. Nothing can stop her from taking this trip. So, Congressman Engel, your attempt to call the police— Apparently, Congressman Engel wanted to call the police on Rashida Tlaib and some of her constituents. I guess too many, too many Arabs, too many Muslims. I didn't hear about this, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, why, why did he want to do that? I, I guess he got nervous, as we say in Arabic. He got a little nervous with all this kind of, uh, uh, this, this kind of energy towards justice. But I have a question for you, Jamal. Tell me your experience anytime you've told a strong Palestinian woman to shut up and listen. How do you think that goes over? He's messing with the wrong woman. <laughs> he, he's messing. He's messing. But it you know, usually doesn't work so well in general to tell women to shut yeah, up. And I mean, listen. I mean, it, it, he's he's been ridiculous and he's he's been so transparent. And like again, he received hundred fifty thousand dollars in '94. But he, re- the exact re- he represents pro-Israel fr- groups and from re- pro-Israel, and then the other ones from the financial institutions, uh, well, securities and investment groups. He received hundred forty-six thousand uh, and fifty-five dollars uh, from them. So uh, on this subject, man. So she's gonna take the trip, Jamal. The, Let's be clear. Uh, she's gonna take the trip. People will go on the trip. She will. We'll see. People will see for their own eyes what's happening with with these with the occupation, with the oppression, with the apartheid practices of, of the Israelis that they're using. Basically, U.S. dollars or U.S. dollars, foreign foreign aid dollars are being used to occupy, oppress, and create apartheid-like conditions. Other Congress people will see this, and this is in line with what we've been speaking about, Jamal, about this this general shift away from blind loyalty to uh, a foreign interest. It doesn't stop there. Yeah. I'm just going to make your day, Jess. Okay. <laughs> now moving to Lee Zeldin. Oh, my God. Or Representative Lee Zeldin. Oh, my God. And I'm talking about a tweet he just, uh, oh. yesterday, I guess, uh, he tweeted. And he it was also on C-SPAN. I mean, the things that happen, if you... Talk about any other group, if, uh, meaning if, if the other group is not Arab or is not Palestinian or is not Muslim uh, or is not African-American, people will be foaming, right? Right. On the mouth because these things, it, will, it makes your head spin. So he tweeted, and this is, was his tweet, I'm not making this up, was just selected as ranking member of the House Foreign Subcommittee on Oversight and Investigations, question mark. This is how we start. Just learned freshman representative Ilhan Omar was also put on this committee. Yeah, with Rashid. With oversight of U.S. foreign policy. Crazy to watch what House Dems are empowering, elevating. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he feels a sense of ownership. I don't know if it's the white man's club or the Republican club or whatever. 
the fact that now he's going to sit in the same committee, on the same committee. With women. With not women, but in, in the case of Ilhan Omar, she's a woman of color and she wears the hijab. Oh, no. And she's Muslim. He's very so, nervous. So, very nervous. I mean, so obviously racist to put such a thing. This guy is a representative. Lee Zeldin. Well, I, I, I think, you know, Jamal, keeping in line with... So the Islamophobic dog whistles continue. Yeah, from these are the, dog whistles. These are dog whistles. Yeah. They continue. And uh, I liked her answer, though. Ilhan Omar, she, she's quick. What did and she, she say? And she answered, she said, don't mind him. He's just waking up to the reality of having Muslim women as colleagues who know how to stand up to bullies. I love it. It's going to be fun watching him lose his marbles. <laughs> so, uh, I mean... That's brilliant. Why watch TV, ladies and gentlemen? Just that's watch brilliant. Congress. It's, it's more entertaining uh, these days to watch these congressmen. Congressmen, mostly. It's men. Men. It's not... Because congressmen... And mostly Republicans yeah. going crazy because now they're seeing too many women, according to them, and too many women of color and other ethnicities... On the floor. Uh, well, you're listening to Arab Talk on KPOO 89.5 FM in San Francisco. We're streaming to kpoo.com. We're streaming live, by the way, on Facebook at Jamal Dejani 2. So you can listen to us streaming and watch us on Facebook Live. And we'll be posting the show later on YouTube Live and Facebook. So, Jamal, this is part of, I mean, this is part of this emerging anxiety among men in Congress, among white men in Congress, and especially among Congress men who have made their living out of uh, getting money from APAC. I mean, basically, these guys primarily have guaranteed their ability to get reelected year after year after year because of their pledge of support to APAC and pro-Israel lobby groups. And in fact, to be fair, Jamal, it's not just the Republicans. I mean, in all fairness, this is true for many Democrats, too. In fact, the Democrats are so fearful of this emerging kind of progressive element within the Democratic platform. You now have a new committee, like a super PAC. Maybe not it's super, but it's a PAC. It's a political action committee. And basically, it's a new group called basically Democrats for Israel. They're so frightened that uh, Congress will start to pay attention to what uh, the Israelis are doing in terms of their gross human rights violations and that the United States is supporting this apartheid state. They're so nervous about the Democratic Party moving in the direction of justice for Palestine, they're starting to form their own groups. In fact, that's why I believe Howard Schultz is not is no longer a Democrat. He's afraid of the progressive side of the Democratic Party. That's why Mike Bloomberg also, you know, kinds of stays away from the Democratic, uh, the platform of the Democratic Party. Same reason. These guys, these billionaire independent club, they want to be able to support Israel, but pretend to be progressive at the same time. I have breaking news for them. What? You can't be progressive and ignore Palestine. You can't be progressive and ignore apartheid. 
Israeli apartheid. You can't be progressive and not let Americans make up their own mind about whether or not they want to boycott, divest, and sanction Israel. You're absolutely right. You're listening to Arab Talk again on KPO San Francisco 89.5 FM. I want to also welcome our viewers on Facebook Live, and we've added a few more from Jordan and and other places uh, I've listed earlier. So, um, can I just go back for a minute on this? I, w- I want to because you're talking about this topic. Yeah, uh, you talk about human rights violations. Yeah, we've talked about uh, you know Rashida Tlaib taking people, taking congressmen in, in, or a congressional delegation to see things uh, in her own, you know, in their own eyes and basically make up their own minds. Mm-hmm. And uh, we in the past uh, we've discussed uh, the issue with Airbnb. Oh yeah, and and Israel still continuing. This is, this is a good story, Jamal. So the, so there is another story which is very similar. Yeah, which is uh, actually um, Amnesty uh, Amnesty International. Yeah, it's a big story. Uh, started to talk about this. One is as you know now the other travel big travel company Trip Advisor, right? So Trip Av- Advisor. Uh, has been listing properties in the uh, on uh, in, in settlements. settlements, colonial settlements, seventy different properties, basically in illegal Israeli colonial settlements, and then so recently they've uh, been advertising and and they're adver- <laughs> I mean uh, I it's said, crazy man it's crazy I mean we laugh but you shouldn't we shouldn't be laughing at this so one of their newest ads and this is what they're advertising they're advertising for you you know the traveler <laughs> the international travel to experience to enjoy the bedouin experience this is how that's the way they're saying it this is yeah it sounds like, like a- travel to the west bank to enjoy the bedouin experience and I'm not making this this That's up. so freaky, man. On land, basically, on settlements where Bedouins were ethnically cleansed. Unbelievable. You know, this That's is this advisor. Is, this is the area, and 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 other areas where the Israeli occupation army has pushed away those Bedouins, and they've been trying to also take over their villages in Khan al-Ahmar and other places. So they've been advertising. That's why this caught the attention of Amnesty International, basically telling you to have an, un- an unforgettable experience. So, Jamal, that's like... By going and staying in an Israeli but, settlement. But that's like saying, go to South Africa and see the marvelous exper- experience of black South Africans under apartheid Go to Soweto, go to the Bantu stands of South Africa and catch a glimpse of what it was like to, to live uh, in apartheid South Africa. Or go to a, uh, go to a uh, uh, you know, back in the, I shouldn't say back in the day, but during the time of active slavery, you know, staying at the master's house to get a glimpse of, of the days of slavery I mean, this is truly outrageous that the Israelis uh, get a pass on marketing and branding themselves to travel on and stay in st- stolen Palestinian land in illegal settlements. But Amnesty's not going to have any part of this, obviously. 
Amnesty International actually is taking action. They are they have posted a petition on their website, so I urge people to go to their website. But and they've been tweeting about it. And again, this is not a joke. It seems like a joke. Uh, it seems Trip like Advisor so wants you to have a Bedouin experience on land ethnically cleansed from Bedouins by Israel. That's the message. So, so, so the, the, you can book it. I'm not, you know, you can go on there. People can book that, book a place on an Israeli settlement now through. So we're done with Airbnb and Airbnb made the right decision by stopping uh, making reservations in uh, on Israeli settlements. But now, Trip Advisor, yeah, we have moved to come into that triple, void. Yeah, we have to come hard on on TripAdvisor for doing this. I mean, it's it's truly amazing. And, it, you know, I know you didn't quite believe this when I've said this the last couple of weeks, and we have every reason to be skeptical, Jamal, because, you know, we've been doing this for a long time. But with all of this, it does seem like there's some shifting going on within the American electorate in terms of their eyes opening up to the international uh, atrocities against people of Palestine in, 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 in Palestine right now. It just seems like the tide is beginning to shift. Having said that, though, I'm sorry, because you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. We have to call out, I mean, Kamala Harris, for example, who is the darling now of the progressive left, right? I mean, I think Kamala Harris is an amazing human being. Don't get me wrong. And I think she should run. I think she'll do really well. She's brilliant. She's smart. But we need to look at her policies very, very carefully and not just be quick to say she is as progressive as, you know, the most progressive. In fact, as a prosecutor in 2010, she wasn't that progressive. She was going against for example, attempts to release police videos of um, basically bad police behavior against, you know, uh, um, people of color, African-Americans and other communities disadvantaged. She was against that open transparency that we now have uh, when she was a prosecutor. So her prosecutorial um, record is not unblemished. More importantly, Jamal, Last year, we reported that Kamala Harris went to APAC but didn't want anybody to know about it. So she went through the side door. That's right. She didn't want, any, she didn't want progressive people to see that she was going to APAC. But her speech to APAC was leaked recently, and we've seen a copy of it and read it. It is atrocious talking about how Israel has made the desert bloom. This is from Kamala Harris, how she has been planting trees in Israel on stolen Palestinian land. She didn't put that part. That's my addition for for many decades and how supporting Israel is a key strategic interest. And I mean, it was the same nauseating um, supplication to Israel that we see from most U.S senators and congresspeople. But she doesn't want us to see that. So my feeling, Kamala, and I know you listen to Arab talk, if you really say you are as progressive as you say you are, 
when are you going to come clean on the question of Palestine? That's my question to Kamala Well, on, on the side of justice, basically, you know, not just the question of Palestine. You can't have this progressive because that's how she uh, markets herself as, or as we call them, peps. Peps. You know, progressive except on Palestine. So uh, I, of course, if, uh, I mean, I don't know how this will play. Uh, now it looks like Kamala Harris is, is leading the race. She until is. Until others kind of join. No, she's. Uh, but if she becomes a nominee, then the question is, with everything else she has done, do you vote for her or do you vote for Donald Trump? Well, you don't vote for <laughs> Donald Trump. I mean, I mean, I mean that's this is uh, in a way. No, no, I think that, uh, I don't she, think she, that she should be questioned. No, she but also she should be supported because there are other good things. Absolutely, that she, she has done. No, but my point is, it it's her deceptiveness. It's it's the fact that she goes. But she didn't vote for the for the bill. She voted for the first one, Jamal. The first one, but now, but you know, people have time to change. She actually was one of the senators who abstained. Okay. And so she doesn't go on the record that she voted for this anti BDS bill. So so I'm just calling out to Kamala Harris and people who think her record is unblemished when it comes to progressive issues. We need to take a careful look at it, of course, as we should with any candidate. But if you're claiming to be progressive and you're claiming to be on the side of justice, you believe in health care for all, you believe in you know, criminal justice uh, reform, for you to go through the back door of APAC and give this glowing speech in support of apartheid, you need to be pressured on that. You need to come clean on that. You need to not deceive you know, your electorate, the people that elected you to go there. Um, you're either proud to s support an apartheid country and get money from APAC, or you're not. It, it, it's not that uh, complicated. No, and people will change, so hopefully she will. And uh, this is kind of a segue to uh, something really good that happened recently. What's that, Jamal? And even though it has been a process in the making, and we have, as you know, you and I have many friends from Jewish Voice for Peace, and we've Tons. had representatives on this show, uh, you know, who support Palestine and stand against Israel and its human rights violations. So after years of study and discussion, and this is an internal um, uh, thing going on uh, within the organization Jewish Voice for Peace, Jewish Voice for Peace, put a statement rejecting Zionism, just officially. Wow, wow. So, so this is part of, um, part of their statement. We unequivocally oppose Zionism because it is counter to our vision of justice, equality, and freedom for all people. And this was from a, a statement um, entitled our approach to Zionism by Jewish Voice for Peace. So for 22 years since its founding, Jewish Voice for Peace declined to take a position on Zionism. They've been shifting little by little, not wanting to cut itself off from virtually all the American Jewish community. And as you know, they come under attack by APAC, ADL, other organizations, right. even local organizations. But uh, the tide has been shifting since uh, 2014. Well, Jamal, I think that's very impressive. I want to put a little historical note on that because 
many, many years ago when JVP, Jewish Voice for Peace, was just starting, you and I, you know, had been invited to speak with them and kind of talk a little bit about their political analysis. And they had always been approaching uh, the Palestinian community and wanting to kind of coordinate political efforts and things like that. And for many, many years, we had been encouraging them to come clean on this issue of Zionism. That's right. And then some of them made that choice individually. But now the big news as an organization, it's a big deal. It's and a I'll read you more it's from a big deal. their statement. And this is when uh, JVP or Jewish Voice for Peace also emphasized that Zionism is harmful to Jews, not only to Palestinians. So part of their statement, uh, they say, many of us have learned from Zionism to treat our neighbors with suspicion, to forget the ways Jews built home and community whenever we found ourselves to be. Jewish people have had long and integrated histories in the Arab world and North Africa, living among and sharing community language and custom with Muslims and Christians for thousands of years. By creating a racist hierarchy with European Jews at the top, Zionism erased those histories and destroyed those communities and relationships. In Israel, Jewish people of color from the Arab world, North Africa and East Africa have long been subjected to systematic discrimination and violence by the Israeli government. That hierarchy prevents us from seeing each other fellow Jews and other fellow human beings in our full humanity. Bravo for Jewish Voice for Peace. Bravo. So this is an amazing statement. Again, uh, after years of study and discussion, Jewish Voice for Peace has officially rejected Zionism and published a a long statement. I urge people, you know, they can read it. We've read some excerpts. Uh, It has been something going through transformation since their founding uh, 22 years ago. But the the movement to this direction began in 2014, and now we're in the year 2019, beginning of 2019. Very impressive. They've made that decision, of course, we stand with them. Of course. They have stood with us. We stand with and them. And I know they're coming under heavy attack and criticism. And it was hard because, you know, at the end of the day, you are speaking against members of your community. Right. You are the, you're, you're basically separating ideologically and from a human, humanitarian perspective. But at the same time, it, ta- it not only does it take a lot of courage for them to do it, they are clearly placing themselves as an organization committed to justice. You know, it's kind of interesting, Jamal, because it's a trajectory for many progressive organizations who, I mean, it's part of this discussion, as you said, that we've been having. You know, they JVP is no longer PEP. They're, they're legitimately progressive that they have come out and spoken with such clarity about a racist ideology. They need to be given a lot of credit for that. And support. And support. Now, we, in the remaining time, Jamal, we, we, we have to speak a little bit about Palestine because there have been two dramatic developments. You know, a 16-year-old girl was brutally assassinated and murdered by settlers yet again, you know, in, in, in the occupied West Bank. And secondly, there's been a resignation by the prime minister, Prime Minister Hamdallah, uh, because today actually is the day when all of the funding that the U.S. had to support 
the Palestinian security, you know, apparatuses and other support stops today. So this is there's a lot of big changes. Well, three things I want to add. Okay. Two Palestinian uh, Palestinians were assassinated, and and these are the ones who are focusing more got killed by the Israeli occupation. One, uh, of course, recently the case of the young mother who was killed by Israeli colonial settlers, right. basically throwing a rock at her car and, and killing her. Right. And now they have been identified. And I know that they, they are going to receive a slap on the wrist. You know, I mean, in fact, the media identifies them as teenagers. Uh, they don't say that they are living on a, on a, in a settlement. I identify them as terrorists. So they are, uh, they are basically settler terrorists who killed an innocent Palestinian woman. The other one is a 16-year-old schoolgirl. Unbelievable. And so the Israeli media and other media outlets, uh, they're trying to say that she tried to stab a soldier, and then they show you a picture of the same knife, like, like as it's if Palestinians, <laughs> Palestinians buy knives from the same manufacturer. It's the same I've, knife. I've seen the same knife like later the on. The last 10 years. And eyewitnesses will tell you, after they shot her, which, by the way, she wasn't killed instantly, they prevented ambulances and people from helping her so so she bled to death to death that's right 16 year old schoolgirl and what they found in her bag well dangerous were things pencils notebooks and books that's it this is from eyewitness uh, eyewitnesses and of course the israeli media is spinning it that she came to stab even if she came to stab you know which i don't believe it for a minute and seeing the picture of the knife so she's so frail. You could push her with your hand, yes, or with the uh, what they call the butt of a gun, and you don't have to shoot her and let her bleed to death. So, so this is these are two horrific stories, and we can cite uh, many others. And it was really, it's really atrocious. It's really a tragedy. You know, a, a tragedy. Sixteen-year-old schoolgirl carrying her school bag to seeing 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 her. On bleed camera, to bleed to death. Bleed they to won't death. allow even an ambulance to come near her or Palestinian medics. Now, um, talking about what's going on within, because we have a few minutes left, the Palestinian government has officially resigned. And the entire, so it's not just the prime minister, Prime Minister Hamdallah, uh, who I know personally. Uh, the entire government resigned, uh, submitted its resignation to Mahmoud Abbas to make a decision now later on to assign or nominate a new new prime minister or you know we don't know he can he might keep Hamdallah I don't think so but all indications because uh, Fatih is putting a lot of pressure on Mahmoud Abbas to bring someone from its ranks some say it might be Mohammed Shtaye that's one of the names that keep keep popping up to form a new government uh, there are many issues, many issues from the Social Security Act to right. the stagnation in the peace to um, basically they don't have any money. And you're right. The U.S. government under Trump has cut funding. They've cut and, and there is a misconception in the media. And I'll talk about it quickly. They've cut funding uh, from the Palestinians, uh, everything except for 60 million dollars. They kept them for security. Right. And we know this is for secu- for the security apparatus, really, to protect the settlers and for the uh, coordination. Right? So, why the Palestinian government, they've sent a letter, why did they send a letter 
to the State Department telling them, you know what, keep the $60 million, <laughs> right. even though we are suffering financially. Do you know right. why? Why? Well, guess what? Because we're talking about the Congress, which works, the Congress and its surrogates who, uh, and its members who work on behalf of Israel most of the time, as we've seen yeah. with the BDS bill and others, they have decided, they have decided to allow a law uh, basically permitting uh, victims of terror throughout the years, uh, so-called terror, to sue any uh, country or entity that receives money from the U.S. Ah, so it's a way for them to sue the Palestinians. So basically, yeah. so 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 basically, now you're going to have millions and hundreds of millions of dollars of lawsuits targeting the Palestinian Authority because even if it receives one dollar, one dollar from the U.S. government, they're subject to lawsuit. So they said, thanks, but no thanks, we don't want your money. And guess what? Guess who has been lobbying like crazy to change that law? I don't know. Could it be Jared Kushner? Uh, APAC, probably Jared Kushner, through instructions from Bibi Netanyahu, they're begging them, saying, no, 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 no. Give them the money. Give them the money. <laughs> so don't we put that law. So we because if the- you don't give them the money then we, they won't have security and we'll have to deal with the security and they're doing our job right. for us. So uh, we'll have to come back. This to is the update, but most likely uh, we'll, uh, I, uh, a, a viewer and actually a friend, uh, Rami from uh, Australia, I don't know if, I, if you, uh, you're listening and he's watching the show, he's saying that Mohammed Shtayi has been assigned as prime minister. I haven't read that. I know that his name is there. So I don't know if it has been official, but we will find out if uh, they've uh, had the, basically, uh, or he has been tasked already to form a new government. Or Hey, Jamal, that's all we got for today. We want to thank you for joining us today on Arab Talk. Check us out on our website, arabtalkradio.com. Check us out on Facebook, Jamal Dajani 2, Twitter, our, our website. Our website, ArabTalkRadio.com. You'll find us on iTunes. You'll find us on SoundCloud. Uh, and we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Send us your comments to ArabTalk at KPOO.com. We'll see you next week. See you next week.